Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. This is episode number 40. Today my guest is a person who has had a special impact on me, going back to college days to the very present time. His name is Gerhard Marx. He is the oldest of nine elders serving the United Church of God in the United Kingdom. And it is my pleasure to have you on our podcast. Hello, Gerhard. Hello, Victor. I'm very glad to be here with you and have this conversation. It's good to see you again. Thank you. It's my honor to be able to talk, reminisce, and discuss your life going back more than 50 years to the 1960s in the United Kingdom when I was a student and you were a member of the Ambassador College faculty, author of many articles for publications such as The Plain Truth, The Good News, Beyond Today, and others such as most currently The Supplement. He has also been an elder and a church pastor. You have been. And currently, you are mostly retired, but still involved with the work of God. Gerhard Marx and I have had a common spiritual home all these years, on many visits to the United Kingdom and years to the United States. We have kept in contact off and on. So, Gerhard, I would like to have you introduce yourself a little bit more fully right now, please. Yes, by all means. Thank you, Victor. It was some 67 years ago when I first heard a Christian minister talking about the true gospel that Christ and his apostles taught. What was unusual was that he told his radio listeners not to believe him, but to believe the Bible. It was on a Chicago radio station, not far from Kenosha, where I lived. That was quite a challenge. That's how I began taking an interest in the Bible after I saw that the Bible teachings and nominal Christianity didn't match up. It changed my life. For me, a study of the Bible was set in motion, which resulted in what the Bible says, a renewing of the mind. And in the words of the Apostle Paul, to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You read this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The way you describe you're coming to Ambassador College and the things that motivated you, the things that uh, struck you as being important were very much the same things that were my experience. And when I ha saw what you had written about your coming to understanding these biblical principles, I thought to myself too, that we listened to the same voice and we were affected very, very similarly. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, after requesting and reading profusely the literature that was sent out free of course, I began to discard the teachings and beliefs of nominal Christianity. And after being baptized uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I attended Ambassador College in Pasadena for two years before being sent to England to finish my education in Hertfordshire near London, where we had another Ambassador College uh, campus. Well, Gerhard, I think that uh, some of the people who hear this interview will be surprised that you are from Milwaukee, because most people think that you have always been from Europe, you have always been from the UK, you were maybe from Germany, you know, by the sound of your name. And when people hear that you are from Kenosha, Wisconsin, I said, I didn't realize that. And you talked about how you spent two years in Pasadena and two years in Brickett Wood at college. And I had again, a similar experience to yours. I went three years, but I went a year and a half in Pasadena and a year and a half in the United Kingdom. And uh, to me, that was a very wonderful experience. Yes, well, 
I was born uh, in Germany the year that uh, Jesse Owen, uh, and by the way, our uh, older readers to the podcast uh, would remember, perhaps more, Jesse Owen won several medals in the Berlin Olympic Games. Uh, that's the year I was born. Uh, so that was a, a, a few years back. <laughs> <laughs> Later, it, it was Winston Churchill uh, who evidently said it would take Germany 50 years to recover from World War II. So in 1950, uh, we were USA bound. There were five of us. My grandmother had visited the United States, America, just prior to World War II. And therefore, she uh, had to stay. And she unfortunately died uh, toward the end, uh, just before the end of World War II. Uh, but she had quite a few children in Kenosha. One of her children asked us, asked my parents, whether we would like to come and uh, you know, live in America. And of course, uh, <laughs> keeping uh, Winston Churchill's uh, uh, thoughts in mind, we thought, well, my parents thought, why not? So we uh, uh, you know, went, settled uh, in, in the United States. Uh, in 1950, in 1950. At that time, if I understand it correctly, it was U.S. policy that uh, if uh, there were relations in America, you, uh, they would uh, be responsible for your economic welfare for the first five years, uh, after which, of course, all being well, you could become a, a naturalized citizen, which mm -hmm. I, I did in either 1955 or 1956. So uh, anyway, it was an enjoyable occasion. We were young children, and I, I found how uh, I was a little bit apprehensive. You know, I, I was sort of basically a teenager, and I wasn't quite sure how everybody would receive me, receive us as children. But there wasn't any problem. Uh, you know, we uh, mixed uh, very well, and we're very happy with our stay in the United States. Uh, so that was 1950 that you came to the U.S. What Now, what was the year that Jesse Owens uh, won the medal? Oh, yes. Uh, let me add that. It's uh, 1936. 1936. Okay. So we're, this is the sneaky way to find out what your age is. <laughs> we can calculate that. But anyway, it's interesting because we came to the United States. My parents were refugees that yeah. uh, ended up in a United Nations refugee camp in the British zone in... Um, Hanover. And that's where I was born. I was born in 1947. My parents then found a sponsor. They waited for four years, finally found a sponsor from the University of Minnesota who invited them to come under the similar conditions as you you were uh, to yeah. live in the United States. And of course, that's that's where I came from. Yeah. Well, if I can con uh, uh, continue, the, the, then in 1960, the true gospel uh, was beginning to be heard on Radio Luxembourg in, in the German language. And on account of my German background, I was attempt to answer the letter that our German readers uh, sent to our office at Richard Wood in Hertfordshire, England, just uh, north of London. Mm -hmm. Living near London, I also studied at the University of London. Uh, I studied medieval English history and international relations. These were certificate, you know, annual certificates and so on, not necessarily degrees, but uh, I, I had a keen interest in history at any rate. And uh, this was just down my alley, as the saying goes. Anyway, this allowed me to later teach international relations at London's College of Journalism in Fleet Street. But the main thrust, I must say, the main thrust of my focus was at Ambassador College in England where I was responsible to answer letters from our German-speaking readers from primarily Austria, 
for Switzerland and Germany, including communist East Germany, where we had a problem to solve. Mm-hmm. So if I might, uh, Victor, if I might uh, just uh, take another minute or so to uh, go into uh, uh, this particular problem we have to solve. Yes. Well, uh, it wasn't long after World War II that an iron curtain descended on numerous East European countries, that included East Germany, where freedom, where freedom of speech and freedom uh, of the press were very, very limited. Only personal letters would be allowed for their citizens. Any bulky letters containing booklets, including our monthly magazine, were all too often confiscated by East German officials. But we weren't to be defeated. What was agreed upon was to print our booklet and magazine on very thin paper, and they called it India paper, the type of paper that is used in printing Bibles. On top of that, I had my German language students at Ambassador College in England handwrite addresses of our readers in East Germany. So, as you can see, instead of printing the names on the envelope, the students used their own handwriting. Mm-hmm. And addressed envelope with their lightweight booklet fooled the East German regime for a long time. Readers in East Germany and elsewhere now received unopened mail. That meant that each envelope had a different handwritten address. This is how we dragged the true gospel into East Germany and in other communist old countries. The college students enjoyed being part of something that was greater than themselves, even though it was only in a minuscule way. Of course, uh, life uh, has purpose for all of us, uh, seeing that there is indeed something greater than ourselves. I was privileged to have been part of what was taught at the three campuses of Ambassador College, where the students were taught that there is indeed something greater than themselves. Well, certainly that was part of my outlook, too, when I was at Ambassador College. In fact, the years, I believe, that you were doing this clandestine mailings to uh, East Germany were years, I believe, that you know I attended Ambassador College in, in uh, Brickett Wood. And I remember people talking about it and people receiving entire booklets, even, and whole articles. Uh, some of them, I believe, that were even handwritten out to, to get them to, through to those people. And as you said, that when we came to Ambassador College, we had a sense of purpose and mission. Uh, we didn't go there for some vocational training, per se, or to go on to other uh, jobs. We all, I remember my class, almost 201, the men, were very, very interested in becoming part of the work, as it was called. That was true in Pasadena, even more so in uh, Brick and Wood, where we had students come from Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, from all over the world, Canada, the United States, that we were all very, very excited about doing the work and preaching the gospel. I still miss those days. I still miss that enthusiasm that we had and that sense of mission. It was called the West Point of God's work, you know, training officers to be those who would be leading and doing the work of God. So I know your feeling and when I was at college, I might just add a note here too, the time that I was there, one way that I got to know you, know of you as a faculty member, you were one who often spoke at the gymnasium, which was the location for the Brickett Wood Church. And I remember so many times, mostly it was sermonettes, 
And also, I might just say one thing that really impressed me, I just really have to say this, is that after my first months in England, in fact, at that Thanksgiving time, I came in January, and around Thanksgiving time, you and your wife invited me with a couple of, of other American students for Thanksgiving dinner at your home in Harpenden. And I remember that was such a big event for us because here we're, in, you know, we're far away from home. Generally, Thanksgiving wasn't kept at that time in the United Kingdom, in England. And here we are invited for Thanksgiving dinner. It really made us feel very much at home. And your hospitality is one thing that I will never forget. But anyway, I wanted to say that, Gerhard. Thank you very kindly. It's rather interesting that going back to 1960, uh, when I came to England, and, and we, uh, the campus was in, in, in a very secluded, well, not, not too secluded, but uh, very charming for the part of the English countryside. And uh, when I reminisce, which I do quite often, at that time in 1960, life was much less complicated than the complexities of today's world. The natural surroundings in this part of Hertfordshire shaded the students from the outside world, to an extent at any rate. We cherished a vision of a beautiful age to come, a utopia of God's making. There was something special here, something unique, something divine that molded us into genuine friendship, which had no sell-by label attached. Mm -hmm. It seemed uh, like a little bit of heaven come to earth to an island carrying the name of a very ancient people well over a thousand miles away. So but... Anyway, it, in, in life, I, I find... Uh, you know, as one grows older, and I've got a few, you know, uh, thanks to God Almighty, uh, I, I have a few years behind me. Uh, and, and one does like to reflect and reminisce on, on the good things in life. You know, life isn't always fair, what one may say, or one may, may even judge. But nonetheless, uh, one has to look upon uh, the positive things in life. And I'm sure uh, you yourself, Victor, you've gone through a lot of experiences uh, uh, as well. And I'm, I'm sure you concur with you know, these thoughts. Uh, now, uh, uh, if I might uh, mention, uh, go back to uh, when, uh, when we traveled to, when we were in the United States, in due time, we found that there were a lot of people who were called displaced persons, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> in due time, uh, uh, after asking many questions, I suppose, or, or however I got the knowledge, uh, uh, that they were people from Yugoslavia. Uh, and uh, they uh, weren't welcomed uh, afterwards to Yugoslavia anymore because they cited more, they seemed to cite more, some of them, they, cited, uh, they, they seemed to cite more with the uh, German you know, regime at that time uh, under Nazi occupation. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, so let me just say something about Yugoslavia. The Eastern East, East European country I've tra uh, traveled more to than uh, uh, any other East uh, European country. Mm -hmm. One of the communist countries where we had very little difficulty in getting our mail through was Yugoslavia. On account of the popularity of Marshal Tito as a resistance leader during Nazi occupation of most of Eastern Europe, Tito was less rigid than other communist leaders and didn't take orders from Stalin, mm -hmm. who at some time said, if I lift my little finger, there will be no Tito. <laughs> Good old Stalin, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, the leader of Yugoslavia outlived, outlived uh, Stalin by several decades. Stalin made outrageous statements too, like the effect of the Catholic Church 
And the Pope, he said, well, how many divisions does the Pope have? <laughs> no, Stalin was so, so prideful of the might of the Soviet army. Well, uh, those of you familiar with, uh, with what happened right after World War II, uh, uh, in both Greece and Italy, uh, there was a danger that they might fall under uh, complete Soviet influence. The United States and other European states were inclined to see to it that Yugoslavia would not wind up in the Soviet orbit. This is, by the way, is why Queen Elizabeth II, the head of state in the United Kingdom, was encouraged to visit Yugoslavia in the mid-1970s mm. after Tito had been invited to Buckingham Palace on an official state visit a couple of years earlier. A fellow journalist from Ambassador College, David Feist and I, were credentialed by Buckingham Palace to cover the royal visit while the Queen, Prince Philip and Princess Anne were guests at Tito's palace. Mm -hmm. It was Tito who held the various ethnic countries of Yugoslavia together for several decades after World War II. Yugoslavia was a created name after the decline and fall of the Habsburg dynasty and means uh, Southern Slavic, that is people. Yugo mm -hmm. means uh, South. I mean South. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, it wasn't long after Tito's death that the various ethnic entities fell apart with dire consequences for the inhabitants of Yugoslavia. It again shows, shows to me, I'm sure Victor showed to you as well, how difficult it is for man to rule successfully, as the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah informed us in Jeremiah 10, verse 23, that man cannot create a just society without God's guidance. God's guidance is there, is available. It says, of course, in uh, Jeremiah 10, 23, it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps, but unfortunately, so it has been throughout the ages. And certainly, and, and certainly, it has. Uh, I've I've talked to people in Ukraine in, in in the ministry, who commented to me that in their Bible studies of late here, that as they open the Bible, they are amazed. You know, even after knowing the Bible as well as it is, that the Bible is a story of violence, and war, and death and genocide from almost the very beginnings of history to mass destruction of populations at the very end. It's, it's a story of uh, unbelievable evil that humanity has brought upon itself and has not been able to rid itself of. And that's why we do need to have another hand from outside of us to be able to fix this because we won't be able to, to handle that. I remember Yugoslavia falling apart uh, it was about 1999 that uh, the war, the Kosovo War, and the Serbian uh, war against NATO or <laughs> NATO attacking Yugoslavia. And I thought it was very interesting that it was at that time that I was staying at your home. I was staying at your home in Harpenden. You were not there. You allowed me to stay there for a few days while I was on a church visit, and I was on my way points north, Isle of Man even at that time. And I remember so well in the news, the news about the planes that were leaving from various bases, I believe mostly the United Kingdom, uh, to do their bombing runs over the capital of, of, of uh, Serbia, uh, Belgrade. So it's interesting that you talk about Yugoslavia. It's just been, been relatively quiet since that time. 
uh, one positive thing that we did during college days uh, uh, in England, uh, my wife and I, we took uh, students, some of the students at any rate, some of the German students or other students who were interested. Uh, of course, they had to pay for it. And students, of course, very often don't have that much uh, money. But uh, the college uh, provided the transit van, uh, 15 seaters, but we uh, uh, needed three seats for the luggage. So we had 10 people plus uh, my wife, Diana, and myself, and we took them on journeys to the continent. But I always insisted that in our planning that we should always, if we can, visit one communist country. So our students would be able to see the contrast, the difference between our you know, liberties mm-hmm. and lack of li- liberty. Uh, mm-hmm. liberty. And I don't need to say go into any more uh, in, in, anything further there because you yourself have uh, no problem in citing examples of uh, the devastation that uh, occurs when uh, liberties are taken, you know, guaranteed liberties are taken away from the people. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of the communist countries, would you go to uh, uh, like the Czechoslovakia, East Germany, Yugoslavia on those tours? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, the only uh, two East European countries we didn't go to were, of course, uh, Albania, you know, it was a matter of life and death if you travel to Albania at that time and open the Bible, uh, you couldn't do that sort of thing. But we didn't go as far as Romania uh, mm-hmm. and Bulgaria. But the other other nations, of course, uh, we don't go into Russia either. They got a good good uh, education. I know I saw those two vans there on, on the campus that were taken by on summer tours. I know that you were chaperoning a couple yeah. of them. And I remember them uh, going to the students, the, the cost of a trip to Europe was unbelievably low. <laughs> I was just even surprised at, at that time. Very, very reasonable. No, I'm, I'm just saying that, uh, you know, if one is able to, uh, if one has the means, that's a Christian thing to do. You know, uh, you don't want to sort of spoon feed anyone uh, or provide something that they uh, don't like. Uh, you know, that's part of the Christian message, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To look out for others who also have uh, needs that you may not uh, know about. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, it's a good prin- uh, uh, Christian principle, indeed. I know that I had gone with three other men students. We went on a Eurail Pass trip of Europe. The cost of the ticket for unlimited travel for two weeks on a train was $99. It was unbelievably cheap. And you just hop on any train and show your your rail pass and you go to those countries. And one place that we did go to uh, was Germany. And we did go to Berlin and went from West Berlin to East Berlin. And that was our first view or our first experience in the stark contrast in a city that was very, very opulent on one side ends at the Reichstag, and then East Germany, which had not been repaired, the damage had not been fixed since World War II. It was an unbelievably stark contrast between East and West, right in Berlin. Uh, About East Germany, on one occasion during college days, uh, we visited the parents of a student from East Germany uh, who attended, you know, in England. When I parked the car one good block away from where uh, they lived, his mother thanked me afterwards for doing just that. It really showed how much the East German population was watched by the Stasi. In fact, the woman, she looked at all <laughs> 12 of us. She asked, oh, are you all from England? You see, she was suspicious that there may have been someone who was 
part of the uh, East German government, an official guide. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, things like that, uh, it, it, it helped it helped me to understand the degree of being watched uh, in the dictatorial society. But anyway, uh, uh, so it's interesting uh, because I parked the car, the van away, uh, a good block away, and then walked to this to to the address that we were we were going to. And the woman did did indeed thank me for considering that. So uh, again, it was, it was quite quite revealing. Uh, again, it's a lesson how how fortunate. Uh, I'm sometimes uh, uh, uneasy in using the word fortunate because it, it refers to a, a Roman deity or a Greek deity, etc. Fortuna. <laughs> Fortuna. But, uh, uh, but how blessed, you know, we are by living in in a society that Winston Churchill called something along the line of democracy is bad, but it's the best we have, you see. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, uh, uh, we should be grateful uh, uh, that we live uh, in a democratic society. And I'm sure those of us who do would never want to change places. Well, Reagan called it the evil empire, and it really is. It's really an empire that is driven by a spirit of, of oppression, of um, hatred, even towards its own people, as we see in the conflict between Russia and Ukraine today. And to me, not only is it a conflict between two nations that are very similar in language and in appearance, it's a conflict that's uh, driven by one people wanting to dominate another, and the Russian people don't even respect their own people. I mean, the losses that they have taken in that war that's been going on for 10 months are unbelievably large. Uh, two, three times of what has been lost by Americans in the Vietnam War. But it just shows that the conflict is something that uh, they just won't let go of. There's no way to reason with them. Probably not going to be anything that will change their hearts, even if the war comes to a standstill. But it is Russian policy. As they said, even in World War II, when they made their approach towards Berlin and uh, covered Hungary, Czechoslovakia, that they said that wherever we have the Russian or the Soviet boot, we will not remove it. And so when they came in to uh, defeat the Germans, all those areas that they moved into, they just plain took for themselves and it became hegemony of, of, the, of communism. What I would like to do is, to, if, if I may, Victor, is, is to say a few words about uh, my dear wife uh, uh, for 55 years. Yes. Uh, she was uh, almost 77 when uh, you know she died. She left, the, she left the land of the living, but only for a brief moment as measured against eternity. That's something that we all, those of us who you know, believe in the Christian method, that in spite of tragedies that, that befall all of us, uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, there is something waiting for us, uh, and, 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 and therefore that has to do with eternity. As Christians, we don't worship a God uh, by uh, effigies or anything of that nature, little, uh, uh, as they do in, in, in many, many religions in the world, because God is eternal. Uh, we worship him in spirit and in truth. Anyway, uh, going back. Uh, uh, anyway, I would, like, I would like to just also say, too, about Diana. I'm so glad that you were able to say a few words, and I'm just amazed that three years now have gone by since her passing. 
but yeah. we do remember her extremely well, just a very pleasant woman, hospitable woman. And uh, my wife and I really appreciated when we went to conferences with you and when we were uh, visiting in the UK for different reasons, just how much she was a, a part of things and giving and, and responsive and, and loving. So thank you for saying those things, Gerhard. Yeah. Thank you, Victor, for the uh, kind uh, comments about uh, my dear wife. Uh, there are a lot of associations with college campus in this part of Hertfordshire. It's here where we were both students. Here we married. The music hall was an ideal setting where the marriage vow was taken with a majestic cedar of Lebanon trees towering mm -hmm. stones those distance away where my wife has also found her resting place. Oh, so she she's buried in that cemetery there. Uh, uh, well, well, not in, but oh. but an next an next to it. Uh -huh. uh, we didn't want to go too far in asking permission, and uh, with the help of uh, Winston uh, and Kathy Bothwell, deacon and deaconess, yes, in God's Church, uh, 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 we were able to get permission to uh, uh, put her ashes uh, to rest. Uh, near where some of the uh, early pioneers of uh, Ambassador College, uh, some of them are, are buried. Yes. So we didn't want to go too far, otherwise would, uh, the council might decide no. Uh, so uh, uh, and and all being well, uh, if, if my you know if, if my time is up, uh, that uh, uh, you know, my ashes uh, uh, would would rest next to hers. Mm -hmm. So when tragedies happen, it uh, focuses our mind, uh, obviously, on, on, on the future. And uh, we can rest assured that uh, uh, if we're willing, uh, you know, we will see, uh, indeed, uh, our loved ones again. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, uh, just to uh, just one more final comment. Uh, uh, as everybody knows, uh, who knew Diana, she was a very talented uh, lady and also had a firm belief, obviously, in uh, the purpose for our existence. It was here uh, where I met Diana in the 1960s. Uh, I met her at a college date uh, in the village of Bricket Wood, which is about 30 miles north of uh, London. Those planning the social decided that whoever you were dancing with at the last dance of the evening, you had the privilege of walking the lady back to the college campus. <laughs> very romantic, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> By the way, no prize for guessing who I had for the last. <laughs> well, they should have gone further and say that's the person you'll marry. <laughs> Let me uh, just mention a, a few things regarding uh, Vassar College campus. Because we were a close-knit society, no, not in the wrong sense. You know, uh, uh, we didn't sort of hibernate somewhere in some sort of secret place. But at the campuses, uh, the, uh, it, it was beneficial for us. We were encouraged to travel and the church uh, uh, afforded us opportunities uh, also in the autumn time uh, at the Feast of Tab Tabernacles. And the Bible does refer to it uh, uh, as the physical and also spiritual harvest. Mm -hmm. of the, uh, church. And uh, what we would do is we would ask uh, uh, ahead of the autumn feast, which is usually in mid-October, that if anybody wanted afterwards, after the feast, uh, uh, if anybody wanted to see the sites in London and what have you. In the meantime, because the college had closed uh, and uh, in due time I uh, uh, found employment, 
on behalf of the London Tourist Board uh, in becoming a blue batch guide and so on. So uh, I learned a lot of things about uh, England in addition to what I already knew. And mm. so we invited anyone uh, from the church after the feast for three or four days uh, to go and conduct the tours. And, and my dear wife was very, very uh, much a part of it. Uh, she's the one who decided on the food uh, and, and checked that the food was uh, you know, proper and delicious and things of that nature. So in, in every aspect of, of one's life, and Victor, you, you know yourself, uh, being uh, married, uh, that there are so many, many uh, blessings uh, of being married that mm. uh, we, uh, especially the men perhaps, <laughs> look at ourselves, we don't always think of you. Mm -hmm. And and when somebody leaves you uh, relatively unexpectedly, uh, it, 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 it bears down on you and say, well, did I do my best? So anyway, thank, for, uh, thank you for taking the time to you know, allow me to say a few things about my wife. I would also like to mention uh, mentioned John Ross Schroeder. Mm -hmm. uh, he, uh, of course, uh, loved England uh, uh, very, very much, and uh, he uh, he became the managing editor of the supplement, which we still produce to this very day, uh, the supplement to the Beyond Today magazine. And he is the one who encouraged me. It doesn't matter where I travel to, to Spain or wherever, uh, that he wanted a little write-up about it, you see. And that, of course, helped me continue, uh, have an interest in what goes on from a biblical perspective and so on. So, so I must credit him, uh, I must mention him briefly, uh, because he's the one who encouraged me to write, write the articles, uh, and he was always very, very grateful for any contributions. Uh, you know, we were able uh, to travel to the Holy Land, my wife and I, we were able to travel to Egypt, uh, uh, the Valley of the Kings. Uh, we were able to travel to other European countries, uh, I've already commented on and so on. And, and uh, John and I spent uh, some time in Berlin uh, relatively recently, mm -hmm. uh, when uh, of course John died about eight or so years ago. Mm -hmm. and, and we saw, uh, uh, we went to Berlin when they were celebrating uh, the, the unification of Germany and also uh, the, uh, celebrating the Rome uh, Treaty at a different time. So, so uh, I must really just mention John Roche Schroeder uh, because he's helped me uh, and he was a very encouraging individual. And, uh, and that's what we all, you know, hopefully I speak to all of our readers uh, that we, you know, it's a thing to do to uh, those people we know uh, to encourage them in whatever task they are involved in and, and hopefully I, you know, I, I try to do that as much as possible so uh, again uh, uh, i thank thank you all for listening and uh, uh, Vic, you can have the uh, you know okay. you might want to say a few more words in conclusion and uh, and, and I, but i would like to thank everyone for their patience well and i would it's, it's been wonderful it's been wonderful having this conversation uh, reminiscing about living together, working together at Brick and Wood, you know, as we had. And also the kind words that you said about Diana. I mean, I was tearing up here as you were talking. It's just so good to 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 hear that because she truly was a, a person of very special talents uh, of relations with, with people. Everybody loved Diana. And she 
I, I know that it's very difficult for you. And also John Ross Schroeder, uh, I happen to be fortunate to be able to go to his funeral, my wife and I, back when he died about seven, eight years ago, 2014, I believe it was. And to also not only be there for the funeral, but also to be with many people like yourself and others and, and to be able to uh, be with them. So anyway, we, I really appreciated this conversation, Gerhard, because many people know you, many people know Diana, many people know the Schroders, um, and it's just been very, very wonderful to be able to have this conversation. Do you have any other final words that you would like to say? Well, uh, let me uh, just uh, say something. I was able to give a, a sermon this last uh, week, and uh, I, I chose it the subject that there is something greater than ourselves in mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. As I indicated earlier, to uh, loving your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. we, we will never do that perfect, you know, uh, but nonetheless, it, it's a byproduct, I think, of loving your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and, and, and therefore, there is something greater than ourselves. Mm -hmm. in, in the meantime, you see, uh, we do focus on those who need our help, who need our encouragement, uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, when tragedies happen and things of that nature, uh, uh, people aren't really interested in, in the remedies or anything of that nature. It's just a question of, you know, uh, listen to them, be there for them, mm -hmm. you know, and that means more than anything else. So anyway, being that, that I spoke uh, this last Sabbath uh, mm -hmm. on that particular topic, uh, I thought I uh, that might be good to, to close with that uh, it. It's something for all of our readers, you see, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, there is indeed something greater than ourselves. Well, here and we are, <laughs> Gerhard. You know, yeah. we went to Ambassador College looking at something much greater than ourselves. And here we are at this stage in life, and we're looking for things that are greater than ourselves. And we realize mm -hmm. that showing kindnesses and showing proper attention to people and respect to people is, is what's so very vitally important. And I think that the amazing thing about all of us, our relationship is that, you know, I first met you 54 years ago, and here we are, you know, <laughs> maintaining a relationship as we have with many people, and that's great. And we'll be maintaining eternal relationships, you know, uh, as, as we move on from this life to the next. So thank you very, very much, Gerhard. It's just been wonderful. I thank you very much for agreeing to uh, be on the Cubic Report podcast I know that many people know you, many people will appreciate hearing this, and thank you very much. It's indeed my pleasure. Thank you, Victor. We thank you, our listeners, for joining us here today for The Cubic Report. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please share it and tell your friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Podbean, which includes information about this podcast, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, Pocketcaster, and other podcasting platforms. You can easily find us on any browser address bar by simply typing in the words, The Cubic Report, and there we are. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your impressions and suggestions. So write to us at thecubic at gmail.com, V-K-U-B-I-K at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more.